This is Project Keto. I'm your host, Madeline Evergreen. This podcast is a result of my lifelong experience searching for the answers to my health struggles. I'm here to teach you the how-tos, practical tips, and tactics to eating a ketogenic diet. No more deprivation or confusion when it comes to your amazing body. Let's jump right into today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 6, Episode 4, where today we're going to talk all about protein, which is so fitting because this morning I've just had one of the best mornings because I am in Iowa right now, and I've been looking for a grass-fed farmer that's local in the area that I can buy meat from, and I found one. So I went to his farm this morning. It was about 50 minutes away. Christopher and I had a gorgeous drive through some hills, and it's a beautiful fall morning. There was fog. It was so pretty. We met the farmer. We saw the cows. We got to see his farm, and it was really, really fun. I really enjoy that kind of thing, and it's fun to be able to ask the farmer questions, and he was clearly really passionate about the cow's only eating grass. He said that the land hasn't had any form of glyphosate or Roundup or anything sprayed on it for 25 years, and it was just so fun. It makes me feel really happy to see where my food is coming from. So I'm going to try out his meat, and if I like it, if it's working out, I'll definitely share who this farmer is so anyone local to this kind of Wisconsin, Iowa area can go and get some meat for yourselves as well. Now let's jump into our topic today, which is protein. And we'll start just by reviewing what are some different types of protein. Because remember, this whole season six is all about going back to the basics. So we are going to get really, really fundamental, really basic here, so that you feel like you completely, fully understand what I'm talking about when I refer to protein. So some types of proteins would be meat, fish, and eggs. That would be beef, chicken, pork, venison, goat, duck, turkey, lamb, fish, chicken eggs, duck eggs, and the list can go on and on and on. And then there's also protein powders, not as ideal as eating meat, fish, or eggs, but it is another source of protein. And when you're looking for a protein powder, look for one that is completely unsweetened or only sweetened with stevia or monk fruit. And avoid powders that are sweetened with sugar or artificial sweeteners. And for most people, I would recommend to avoid whey protein. And you can definitely go back to Season 6, Episode 1 and check out the uh, shakes guide. There's a free like shake recipe guide on there with a couple of different recipes and um, some protein powder recommendations for anybody who wants that. Then you might be wondering... How much protein should you be eating on a regular basis? Aim for roughly a palm size of meat per meal. So that would be about a quarter to a third pound, or you could also weigh out your meat and aim for about six ounces of meat per meal. You would try to get at least 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. And just for some reference when you're thinking about eggs, three eggs would be 18 grams of protein, just about. So everybody's really different though, and if you've been following me on Instagram, you see that I've been eating a meat-based or pretty much a carnivore diet for about 13 or 14 months now, and I eat a lot more protein than what I just described there. So some people need more protein than that, and especially people who are eating an extremely low-carb diet. So if you're eating zero carbs or very, very low carbs, like maybe you eat 
you know, five grams of carbs a day or something very low, then those people are probably going to be eating more protein than I just recommended. And also people who are growing, like kids, teenagers, or people who are working out really a lot probably need to eat more protein than people who are very sedentary or uh, don't really get up off the couch or move around very much. So remember, I'm never an advocate for strictly counting macros or tracking food or weighing your food and being very strict with it, unless there's a very specific reason you're doing that. Um, I don't do it. I don't really recommend others do it. So those numbers I just gave you there about ounces or weights or grams, those are general guidelines for people who have no idea where to start and you just don't know. This is completely new to you. You're starting from scratch then use those numbers as a good starting point and then you can adjust things from there. Let's talk a lot here about beef. Really a lot. One of my very favorite topics actually. So much that I almost just want to run away and start a grass-fed beef farm. I just love talking about this. I highly recommend that everybody goes for 100% grass-fed and finished beef. So this could be ground beef, steaks, roasts, stew meat, whatever you like. And make sure that when you're buying meat that the label says 100% grass-fed or 100% pasture-raised. If it just says grass-fed and that's it, it's likely that the beef was finished on corn. And we'll talk about why that's a problem in a couple of moments here. You can usually find 100% grass-fed and finished beef in co-ops or health food stores. Some bigger grocery stores like maybe Cub Foods or Rainbow or places like Costco are starting to carry grass-fed beef as well. The least expensive way to buy grass-fed beef is to find a local farmer and buy it directly from them. Buying the meat in bulk. So try to order like a half a cow or a whole cow, the largest amount that you can get that you can fit in your freezer. And I recommend everybody gets an extra freezer for their basement or their garage or some other room so that you can really buy a lot at once. One reason why this is so good is because it takes the cost way down. For example, if I go to my local co-op and try to buy one pound of grass-fed ground beef, it's usually about $9 a pound. That's a lot, in my opinion. But if I go to this farmer that I just found this morning and buy a whole cow from him, the entire cow is going to be $5 a pound. So that even includes things like ribeye steaks. Yes, a ribeye steak can be $5 a pound, but you need to buy a lot, like a half or a whole cow. Another reason why this is so beneficial is because 100% of your money is going to the farmer. So you're not going through any middlemen, nothing like that. The farmer really benefits from this and it really helps to support small family farms when you buy directly from them. So what exactly does grass-fed mean? When cows eat grass, they concentrate the plant nutrients when they digest the grass. Humans can't eat grass, so we get these special nutrients from eating the cow. The fat on the cow is anti-inflammatory. Remember from last week that the recipe for inflammation is high triglycerides, high fasting insulin, and chronically high blood sugar. And one of the ways to get high triglycerides is to eat damaged inflammatory fats. Well, the fat on the cow is anti-inflammatory if it's coming from a 100% grass-fed cow. And this is really good for your health. 
And in grass-fed beef, you'll find a lot of CLA and omega-3 fatty acids, and this is something you definitely want from your meat, for sure. So what about this question? Aren't cows wrecking our planet? Well, it depends on the type of farm. Regenerative agriculture contributes to the soil and helps our planet flourish. So here's an example of how a regenerative farm works. Cows are grazing on a pasture of grass and then they poop in the pasture. Next, the farmer rotates them to a new pasture, and this is usually daily or maybe every other day. And after they rotate the cows to the new pasture, chickens are brought into the previous pasture with all the poop. The chickens like to scratch through the poop and they spread it out like manure to help the soil and the grass regrow. And then the chickens eat the bugs and the larvae in the poop. And this is their ideal food. No water is needed for this type of farming. No fertilizers, pesticides, or chemicals are used and they're not necessary. And this way we save a lot in fossil fuels because we are not transporting chemicals across the country. We also do not need to produce corn and transport it around the world for cows to eat. Most of the U.S. corn production is fed to cows. Now if an animal gets sick on this type of regenerative farm, it is removed from the group and allowed to rest and it's treated in natural ways so that they don't infect the others. And they almost never get sick because they have space to roam and live outdoors and be in the sunshine where they're meant to be. So there's no need for antibiotics in regenerative farming. Regenerative agriculture is truly humane and it allows the animals to live a healthy, happy life in their natural setting. It also produces a completely different meat product than conventional farming. You can't even compare the two when it comes to your health. And when I say a different type of meat product, I mean the nutrients and the anti-inflammatory benefits from grass-fed beef are completely different than the depleted nutrients and the inflammatory fat and meat in corn-finished beef. You don't want to be eating that if you're working on decreasing inflammation. So what is corn-fed beef in the first place? 95% of the beef you find in restaurants and grocery stores in the United States is corn-fed. When cattle are fed corn, they can't digest it very well, and this results in ulcers and sickness. Including corn in their diet makes the fat on the animal highly inflammatory. So when you eat this type of beef, it makes you inflamed. This is how we can see the connection between eating beef and heart disease. GMO, or genetically modified corn, is used to feed the cows most of the time. The GMO corn is altered to produce its own pesticide within itself. So the corn actually has a pesticide in itself. That means when you eat it, it's producing a pesticide inside your gut. This disrupts your body's bacteria, the gut bacteria, and it wrecks your health. And you need good gut bacteria for good moods, lack of anxiety or depression, good immunity and brain health, and taking medications won't fix this particular problem. So when you're eating a cow that has eaten this corn, the GMO corn, the cow gets all of these gut bacteria problems and then you get the same thing. Not a good picture. So what about our planet? Massive amounts of poop from thousands of tightly contained sick cattle is a major reason we have contaminated air, soil, and water. And this only comes from factory farming, not from regenerative farming. The excess poop causes issues, 
but the antibiotics, hormones, pesticides, and herbicides from the corn contaminates the water supply and nearby farms. To produce corn for these factory farm cattle, huge amounts of fertilizer, pesticides, and herbicides are needed. And this is all transported around the country and the world to cattle farms for feed. It takes massive amounts of water to grow corn. This all takes a lot of fossil fuels, and none of this is necessary in regenerative agriculture. And the bottom line here is that grass-fed beef is a health food, and corn-fed factory farm meat should be avoided completely. So you would also want to consider that if you are a vegetarian for ethical reasons. If you feel that it's cruel to raise cows or any animals and kill them for meat, you should seriously look into how they raise the cows on regenerative farms and see how these farmers are absolute animal lovers, planet lovers, nature lovers, and they know how to raise cattle in a humane way and give them a purpose and a, a life that's actually good for them. So it's a completely different situation than eating factory farmed meat. Now I have a really easy chart on the show notes today. This is projectketopodcast.com backslash episodes backslash S6E4, like season six, episode four. And you can ha- you can see this really easy side-to-side chart about um, comparing grass-fed beef to factory farm beef. And it's pretty much everything I just said, but in a condensed, easy chart format. So if you'd like to look at that so that you can refer back to it or print it out and put it on your fridge, because it's really easy to forget a lot of the, et- the details I just went over. Sometimes you want to have like a cheat sheet reference right in front of you to make it easy to remember the details. Now, what about chicken, pork, and eggs? When you're buying these sorts of things, you have to ask questions. Either ask the farmer that you're speaking to or ask the butcher at the grocery store. You would want to make sure you ask because store labeling is not accurate for chicken and pork. Phrases like free-range, organic, natural, family farm, Amish farm, vegetarian fed are all labels that mean nothing. They are not regulated, they don't mean anything, and it's just a waste of writing on a label. Here's the two things that you do need to know. Number one, what did the animal eat? And number two, how did the animal spend its time? Chickens, turkeys, and pigs should be foraging for bugs and worms outdoor in the soil all day long. They can digest grain, cattle can't, but most farms feed the chickens and the pigs GMO corn, and this is not good. Find a source of poultry and pork that is fed non-GMO grain and is able to forage outside for bugs. You probably won't see this on the label, so you must ask the farmer. Like for example, this morning when I was talking to the beef farmer, he was saying that they used to do, they used to do chickens and they would have them out on the cow pasture during certain seasons when the grasshoppers were really plenty because the chickens really do well eating grasshoppers and that's their source of protein. So you don't want to be buying chickens that are living indoors in boxes or crates or warehouses where they're really stuffed in tightly and they can't get access to bugs. The phrase free range has no legal definition that is helpful for consumers. Chicken could be labeled as free range and still live outdoors or indoors, believe it or not, in boxes, and they could never go outside. 
So you would want to know that, that when you see chicken at the grocery store that's labeled as free range, I'm going to paint a picture for you that it's absolutely true for a lot of these farms. It's labeled free range, and these chickens are living indoors, sometimes in crates, and they can't get outside, except for there's a little tiny door at the end of the building, really small, big enough for one little chicken to get through, and if they happen to see that, they can go on out and there might be a little cement area for them to stand on out in the sun. But most of the time, the chickens actually can't even get access to this door and then going outside and standing on cement really isn't going to be that helpful. So the farmer, though, they still put free range on the label because they know that that can trick you into buying the product. So you'd want to look for true free range or pastured chicken and pork, and you must ask the farmer questions to find out the truth. Typically, the butcher doesn't know the answers to a lot of these questions, so you usually need to call the farm and ask them. Any chicken that's labeled vegetarian fed is a red flag and it should not be consumed. Chickens and hogs who live outdoors and eat bugs and worms and are free from GMO corn and soy feed are healthy sources of meat. They produce anti-inflammatory meat and fat for humans. Animals who are living indoors and fed GMO food and given medications are very sick. When you eat that type of meat and fat, it is highly inflammatory for you. It's also highly unethical and it's mean to the animals. Pastured pork and chicken fed organic and non-GMO food is not available in most grocery stores, including Whole Foods and most co-ops. Ask the butcher those questions. If they don't know, then contact the farm directly or go to their website. The name of the farm is on the package. And you have to do your own research here. The grocery store staff, including small little co-ops, oftentimes do not know the details about the food they sell. You will most likely need to find a farm raising animals this way. So look online for farms in your area. And I also have a couple of farm recommendations. Some of them are online places you can go. Some of them are local to me in the Twin Cities area. Ask the farmers these questions and consider going to the farm to see for yourself. It may be a little bit of trouble in the beginning getting yourself set up with a meat source, but once you do, you'll get into a routine of ordering meat and keeping your freezer full, and it's going to be just so much easier than you think. At first, it's really effortful, but it does get easier. So remember, the two questions to ask the farmer are, number one, what did the animal eat? And number two, how did it spend its time? And that is going to be real important that you get that um, practice in for everybody. So some farms that I like to recommend, if you're not local to the Twin Cities area, I definitely recommend Billy Doe Meats. And I'm going to be linking them, all of these farms, in the show notes. So check that out. But Billy Doe Meats, they have amazing beef and veal and goat and lamb and I'm not sure if they have other things, but I just got my first order for them from them this week, and I love everything. They have really good quality meats, so you can order from them online for sure. Another one would be Belcampo Meats. That's a really good one. I've never actually ordered from there, but I definitely believe in their products. And then if you're more local to the Twin Cities area, Grillin' Meats is a great farm, and it's my favorite farm in the world because they actually raise their chickens and hogs with zero 
corn or soy at all. So I know I was saying that chickens and pigs can digest grain and you would want to look for a farm that's using non-GMO corn or grain for those animals. But some people, like me, are very, very, very sensitive to corn. And same with a lot of people who have autism or ADD or other sorts of brain issues or autoimmune issues. So if you're like me or if you're one of these sensitive people, typically animals that are fed with non-GMO corn and soy still doesn't really work for you. You still react. So um, Christina is the farmer here at Grill and Meats, and she raises her animals with zero corn or soy at all, and it's amazing, and I highly recommend her. Richer Family Farms is another great one, and they have beef and pork, and they drop off at different sites throughout the year. And then Sharing Our Roots is a really cool regenerative farm. It's actually a hazelnut farm, and they do a lot of farming education for um, people all over the country. And they have chickens there because the chickens are actually assisting with the hazelnuts. They live in the hazelnut forest, and they like to forage underneath the hazelnut bushes, and they create really good compost for the soil. And then I also recommend if you are in the Midwest to go to farmmatch.com and look for some local farms through that website. So before we wrap up for today, let's just go through a couple of really common symptoms of protein deficiency. So these would be symptoms to look out for if you haven't been eating enough protein. One would be thin hair or hair loss. Remember that your hair is made of protein. Another would be loss of muscle mass or inability to build muscle. Dry or dull skin. Your skin is also made of protein. Weak or brittle nails. Nails are made of protein. Um, Having a huge appetite or food cravings in a negative way. Learning disorders, brain fog, ADHD or ADD, mood disorders like anxiety, depression, OCD, and mood swings, joint pain, low energy, poor sports and exercise performance is a big one, greater risk of bone fractures, inability to heal quickly from injury, stunted growth, and getting sick easily or not being able to get over a sickness quickly. So keep an eye out if you're experiencing any of those symptoms. That is absolutely a sign that you might not be eating enough protein for you. And oftentimes on keto, when I hear of people who start keto and then they say that their hair is falling out, their first thought is to think that they need to eat more carbs. But oftentimes they actually need to increase their protein significantly and then your hair will stop falling out and it will grow back really nice and thick. Now, for your freebie for today's episode, in the show notes, I am including a free crockpot meat guide. So this is like my ride-or-die method of cooking. I use the crockpot all the time. And this is just a guide on how you can cook pretty much any type of meat in the crockpot for convenience and for really good, tasty meat. Um, This is so easy because you just put the meat in the crockpot with a little bit of water on low for 12 to 24 hours and in the guide you'll be able to understand how long depending on your type of meat and then it's done so like you could get up first thing in the morning before work put in a chicken and then come home at the end of the day and you have a whole chicken done or maybe when you go to bed at night you put in a beef roast and then in the morning you have beef roast ready for the day it's so easy 
It takes all this time and labor out of the kitchen where you're not having to get out so many different pans and pots, all these things, and it just streamlines your life. So check out that guide in the show page today. And then before we finish up today, I'd love to share my what I am loving right now little segment. And something I'm loving right now are my ballroom dance lessons with my husband, Christopher, and our dance coach, Gordon. We've been doing ballroom dance lessons for a couple of months, and it's been really, really fun to do as a couple. I grew up as a dancer, and I actually competed in um, Latin dance a long time ago when I was about 12, so it's been a while. But I've always loved social dancing, and my parents are ballroom dancers, and I've just always been really into the ballroom dance world. So it's really fun bringing Chris into it. He's brand new to all of this and he's picking it up really well and having a great time. So if you and your partner or your friend are looking for a fun new hobby, I cannot recommend ballroom dancing enough. It's such a great way to meet people and to make friends and to learn a skill and do something where you're moving your body But it's not so rigorous or intense at first. It's usually pretty mild exercise at first, but it's a really fun way to just be moving your body and being with people and laughing and learning something new and having a good time. So that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I appreciate all of you who do rate and review this show because it really does uh, give back to me. This is really fun for me to be able to share free content, free education with all of you, and your way to pay it back and pay it forward is to rate and review the show and also take a screenshot, share the show on social media, or send it to your friend, and then we just get to spread the word to more and more people. All right, everybody, I will catch you in a week.